Kessler here from Grunthal. Paul Kingsley with the 30-second board to five. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallup. Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, Guts Racing, Throttle Timepieces, Get Shit Done Coffee, Reverend Motors, 204 Skate Shop, and Throttle Syndicate make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. Really appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you enjoyed this podcast and you think that someone else might enjoy it, share it with them. Send me one friend so we can continue to grow this podcast and uh, get it to as many people as we can. Um, this episode with Ryan Hughes, he's absolutely fantastic. Uh, like I, I have so much respect for Ryan Hughes. Uh you can say a lot of things about some of the stuff he puts on social media, but um, honestly, uh, with so much passion that he has for the sport and how long he's been in it, I have nothing but respect for Ryan Hughes. And I uh, really appreciate him making the time to come on the podcast. Um, go to BigMXRadio.com if you're wanting to win a brand new 2022 YZ252 stroke. Uh, we are uh, we have a limited amount of raffle tickets available, um, capping it at a thousand tickets, and uh, we're well on our way there already. So get your tickets before they're gone. Uh, there are 12 total prizes, uh, including prize packs from. Um, Throttle Syndicate, Throttle Timepieces, Reverend Motors, Phoenix Handlebars, and Fox Racing Canada, as well as uh, FMF. I'm giving away a complete exhaust system from the friends over at uh, FMF. So go to BigMXRadio.com, get your raffle tickets. Uh, one ticket will be $20. You want three tickets at 50 bucks. Uh, if you want 10 total tickets, you can get uh, for $120. So uh, go check that out and enjoy this podcast with none other than Ryan Hughes. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. This episode is brought to you by Fox Racing Canada. We appreciate those guys for sponsoring this podcast and making them possible. With us on the line, he's a repeat offender on the Big MX Radio Podcast. Uh, he's an absolute legend in the sport of motocross. And certainly, uh, if you want to talk about guys coming from Southern California who uh, ha have always been at the precipice and the absolute tip of the spear when it comes to racing in the sport as well as training for this sport uh, that we love so much, the sport of motocross. Welcome to the show once again, Ryan Hughes. Ah, thanks for having me on. Glad to be on again for the third time. Yeah, third time's a charm. Absolutely. And uh, to grab you, uh, to, to bring you on uh, to, to discuss a little bit of uh, Rhino Power Gym, Rhino Power Supplements, as well as all things going on in the world of Ryan Hughes. And, and, and you're a guy who, lo who who makes headlines regardless of what you say uh, on, on social media or, or otherwise. Um, but I wanted to have you on um, for the most part, uh, Rhino, because uh, I... Like, 
to sort of catch up with you a little bit to find out wh where you're at with training for the sport of motocross. We love it so much. Like where you're at as far as your philosophy mm. with it and, and you personally with training, training athletes for the sport of motocross. Where are you at with that, man? Uh, well, you know, I guess my philosophy hasn't changed, you know, the way I go about, you know, what was important with the technique, the functional, the functional movements, uh, the nutrition, uh, I guess the thing that I've kind of been focused on more lately is just the mindset of it. You know, just, I see so many people going wrong, so many people going down the wrong roads or not even tuned in to how, how important, how powerful their mind is, because again, you know, the body is just, uh, you know, the biggest servant, the best servant of the mind, whatever the mind wants, the body will do. Just like I always explain, if the mind is in a, in a depression and wants to kill itself, well, the body will jump off a bridge or do whatever it has to do because the mind told it. So that's the same thing in motocross is when people have constant negative thoughts or uh, fear, well, what do you think the body's going to do? The body's going to be tense. It's going to be hesitant. And then you wonder why, you know, you're not creating more speed. You're not being consistent. Uh, you always have fall, uh, in, uh, you always have uh, mistakes that turn into crashes, all these different things. And it's just because you might be playing the same story that you don't even know you're playing. And until you, until you kind of become aware, aware of the mind is somewhat thinking you, uh, meaning that you can't tell me what your next thought is. So if you can't do that, then that means you don't really have control of your, your thoughts, so to speak. But you have to be aware of what, what's being played in there so you can catch it and turn it into a different play or stop it and, you know, put what you want in there. So, you know, just, just, so I guess a little bit of that, uh, that type of thing, um, you know, but again, technique is, you know, what I brought into the sport again 12 years ago is still, you know, there's no, there's nothing ever going to change from that really. I think, you know, what I brought in here of technique, because, it's finally explained how the body works at its best, like it works in any other sport. But what I see is a lot of people start riding motocross or motorcycles without learning or without knowing how to ride. So if you don't know how to do something and there's a big consequence on the other end of it, what do you usually do? You usually put your feet stuck in the ground. You kind of tuck your butt, round your back, getting ready for what you don't want, you know, getting ready for that consequence. And so that's where a lot of people's technique come from, that flat-footed, uh, tuck-butt, rounded-back type of thing, is because they started riding without knowing how to ride. And so if you can teach somebody from the get-go of the proper technique, well, then that will never come about, right? And so, you know, that, that's the, one of the biggest things in motocross is, again, the bike has to work to the way it's been designed to work. You can't put supercross forks, outdoor shocks, Sand front tire, hard pack rear tire. You can't change the way, can't change the dynamics of the motorcycle and say, oh, it's going to work good just because I want it to be that way. Well, it's the same, you know, the motorcycle doesn't ride itself. The mechanism on top of it, meaning the body, rides it. So if the bike has to be balanced, everything on it has to be moving to its true potential, well, then the body has to be at the same, kind of the same, same level as using it how it's been designed to be used. Uh, making sure all your joints move and not uh, locked up from being in a wrong position. And then you start to become one with that motorcycle. You start to have a flow with that motorcycle. And with that, then you start getting what you want. You know, all that work you put in, all that 
passion you have for it, well, now it's, it's coming out on the surface. So what what I'm hearing is that the the fundamentals are an, ex, an a crucial thing when it comes to um, like learning how to ride the bike from the very get go. As then also coming back to that when you go to acquire new skills, like how does someone train themselves to ride without hesitation when they're trying to learn and, and be able to to take themselves out of that negative mindset into oh like I could get hurt doing this to this is a fun sport to do. I can, I, I, if I, if I put myself in the right position, I will be successful. Almost like mentally taking themselves away from that situation where they could end up on the ground. Well, I don't know. I don't know if there's a way of getting around it because even your top, top riders have a concern of getting hurt. You know, your top riders have a concern of getting of crashing. But does that enter their mind when they're in the battle or the ability to turn that off or do they have the ability to not listen to it? You know? So for me, I've always had that, 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 uh, gift of being able to overcome fear, you know, um, where, yeah, I know I can get hurt. Yeah, I know that, but I can turn it off and perform, but there's some people that just can't do that. You know, they just can't do that. You can try to give them every trick in the book, but it just, it's just wired in them to be a little bit more and also maybe a little bit more, cautious than the next and um so you know you can you can work on it you can understand it but then there's still you know there's still people because i work i've worked with you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of riders that you do you you know it's like pulling teeth and they just never change that you know there's there's kind of like a thing you, you have to have a very bad memory to be good in motocross meaning you can't bring the past into the present. So what I see a lot of people do is bringing the past into the present and always preparing for what they don't want. Come in a corner. I don't want this to happen. I don't want that to happen because it's happened so many times, like front and wash out, whatever it is. Well, the body starts to prepare for it. It starts around the back, tuck the butt, arms get tight, head comes down. And well, then what do you, what do you get when you prepare for what you don't want, what you don't want, exactly. you know? So that's my teaching is let's always put yourself in a position to get what you want. If it doesn't go correct, at least you started out in the right position, not stand it started out in the wrong position. Then you just magnified what you didn't want. And so, you know, I guess uh, the only way to change that is to, if you're going to change your technique and change your approach is slow down. So the first level of learning is conscious incompetency. I have to think about it because I don't know how to do it. The second level is conscious competency. I have to think about it, but I, I still kind of know how to do it. The third level is subconscious competency, where you don't have to think about it because you've done it so many times. And that's where, and that's where you want to get. So a lot of people want to change their ways, but they're not, they're not willing to slow down a little bit. If you can't do it slow, you're never going to do it fast. The little things make the big things. The immediate makes the ultimate. So that's where people need to really realize that kind of put their ego on the back fender and, uh, you know, and go about it maybe in a slower approach. Then once that starts to become comfortable, then speed will start to come automatically. And, and you know, that's something that you've been consistent with uh, in your message for a lot of years. I remember you referencing something basically like a, a, a shorter version of the same thing in a great outdoors video from 2005 that essentially like you like motocross racers are at their best um, when they're they're 
they're riding the same way like they're walking like they're, they're there's it's 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 that natural to them it, it's just it, they don't have to think about it they just do it and and you're you're, you're at your best when you're more you're riding your motorcycle like you're you're walking um like when you were at, at your peak i'm gonna say like mid 90s or 2000 and 2003 when you probably should have won the outdoor title and the one the 125s um like did you have days where it all just clicks like you're not even thinking about going fast on the motorcycle and, 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 and putting in your laps. Like it, it's just like, it's almost like second nature. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, when you get to that level, every day is like that, so to speak, but there's just days that stand out that, um, like you say, you just, you just flow. So that's like the, that's like the zone. That's like the, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. And you look at, you talk to any athlete or they do an interview after they're done, like a Michael Jordan, LeBron James, a, Tom Brady and it's like man you said this phenomenal game what were you thinking of and it's kind of like uh I wasn't thinking of anything because thought takes a quarter of a second to to make a decision thought can't keep up with how fast sports happen especially motocross so you know that's where you have to um you know and then probably the, the biggest days the days that when those happen is what are you doing you're having fun you know so you're always going to be the best when you're having fun because I've never seen anybody have fun and be tense but I've never seen anybody not having fun and not be tense, right? Fair. Those days happen, but what happens in motocross and maybe many people's lives is that when they have good days or they have good races or good times riding, it's just like, hey, high five, a pizza and a beer, and let's let's take off and go. But when they have bad days, they sit and dwell on it for hours and hours and hours and days. So you're kind of almost reprogramming that. So I always tell my guys, like, look, after you have a good day, I want you to go back and think about why you had a good day. Where were you? Where were you physically? What, were you training or not training? Where, where was your nutrition? Where was your mind? Where was this? Where was that? Because once you can, I can identify maybe those couple little things, then you can re- replay it. But if you don't ever identify something, how are you supposed to, you know, replay it? It's impossible. And and that's the thing is, you know, back to the thing is slow down to identify what feels good. And then once you identify feels what feels good, then you can recreate it. But you can't recreate anything until you identify. You can't identify until usually you slow down and feel it. And so that's where so many people go wrong is not replaying their best days to find out why, you know? Right, hundred percent. Now, like, what, like I, I mentioned, sort of like mid nineties and and two thousand three specifically. When when do you think you were at your absolute peak as a racer? Um. I would say I was at my peak for, for you know, shit, almost a good 10, 12 years. It was just what was kind of happening. Did I coming back from an injury? You know, did I get injured? These are things. The injuries is what always held me back and always made, you know, always a comeback, a comeback, a comeback. And then I'd always come back to be just as fast, just as good as I was. So I guess the peaks were when the, the years went smooth, but everybody's career is different. And my career was littered with injuries, but this is to me one reason why I'm such a good coach. And one reason why I can explain things very deeply is because, you know, you're not going to be able to explain every, anything if you don't know the other side, there's two sides to everything. There's two sides to a coin, two sides to the day, night and day, two sides to humanity of woman and man you know, so to speak. So you have to be able to go through hell and be 
and, and know you're going through it and be able to, you know, come out and, and, and know why you came out of it. Yeah, you got to know what the problem is before you can solve it. That uh, self-awareness is something that not enough people have. Yeah, and you know, people have this idea that hell is this bad place, but you don't ever you don't ever gain anything unless you know what you've lost, you know? And so that's the biggest thing is, you know, once you've gone through enough hells, you start you should usually become very, you know, very wise and not you know, be able to go through that again or be able to explain to other people the ways of getting out of it and what it was like to be in it. And so uh, that just makes a good, a good educator when they have, you know, been able to see both sides of the coin, I guess. Uh, When do you feel like you were able to start actually learning that? Like when, what, what would you say would be your, uh, the greatest lesson you learned throughout your professional career? I, I don't know. I wouldn't say perfect, you know, I wouldn't, I don't look at my, I don't look at my life as a career. You know, most people are so fixated on, you know, like I'm 48 years old, you know, am I still trying to live my life like I was 25? No, not even close. Mm-hmm. Do I even remember that I raced motocross? Kind of. Do I have anything in my house that reminds me of it? No, I don't have a trophy, a picture or nothing, you know, just that was, that was a time. That was a phase. That was, that was it. I mean, this is where, a lot of people go wrong is that they're trying to live life at, you know, 48, 50, like they did at 25. And that means they're missing life. So the biggest things were just lessons in life, you know, I guess, you know, things like fathers, you know, my dad dying, uh, being paralyzed, uh, divorce, uh, uh, you know, life stuff of financial things and da, 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 da. And then also this last one with my neck, you know, that was, uh, that was a big learning lesson a big, uh, trans, you know, transition into, you know, uh, allowing a new person to come in because we always go back, you know, this is where everybody goes wrong. Oh, I'm going to go back to who I was. Oh, I'm going to get back to where I was. Well, how are you going to do that when it's been, when you've grown, when you've matured, when time has changed, you know, you have to reinvent yourself, not go back to who you were. And so that's kind of, you know, one of the biggest lessons, right now you know before you know you you just you just learn that you don't need some things to make yourself happy you know in in, in normal life you know financial things this and that uh i guess with death you kind of realize that you know life is very fragile and you need to take it very you know you need to take it serious but you also need to have fun with it because we're the only creatures on life that takes life so serious you see a a tree, a plant, a dog, an animal, or anything taking anything serious? No, not at all. But as human beings, we've been taught to be so ambitious that we think we need to be this, have that, go there, do that. And that's 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 wrong too. But you have to learn you learn to play with things. And so like, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, kinda say this, like most people think a god or a spirit or whatever is so serious. And we gotta be so serious that it's looking down, da da da. But how can there be so much amazing cre- creativity in this world and come and, and that not and that not come from something that's having fun, that's playing, if you think about it? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, some, somebody serious, somebody serious is never is never really that creative. Yeah, they're they're very consistent. They're hard workers, they'll get the job done, but they're not too creative, if that makes sense. The creative person is the kind of the, the 
you know, I guess kind of the, the free thinker, the yeah, you, you know, can't really drive through stuff. creativity if you know what I mean. Like you just like kind of yeah, you can't yeah, just grit your teeth and be creative. <laughs> no, you can't. The time that you become creative is when you give up, when you say, "Okay, screw it, I don't have an answer," and then all of a sudden, about two hours later, you have an idea. Yeah, you're creative, right? And so that's when a lot of the things happen, and that's when people are more at ease, you know, uh, more more free. And so that's kind of some of the things that I've learned because I've been a very serious person trying to get to a goal, be the best, you know, come back from injury, this and this. But this last injury has really kind of changed my perspective on how to how to look at life, you know. For sure, absolutely. Like only only a few weeks uh, on the heels of you racing at Loretta's this last year. Bike looked great, by the way, um, as well as the gear head to toe. You're looking awesome. Um, I guess we like, you can touch on that slightly. What, what was it like riding? Uh, uh, was it an eighty six? Yeah, it was an eighty six two fifty. Uh, it was fun. You know, I just wish the bike would have ran even just a little bit all week. Okay. And, um, you know, it just, it was a struggle all week. Just the bike never ran, never ran good. There was always an issue, mm. always a problem, always something. And, uh, you know, unfortunately that's the way it was. I went into it to try to have fun because, you know, I, I said I wasn't going to race anymore, but I wanted to kind of come back to racing a little bit, but just in a different way. And my way was to have fun, maybe ride some older bikes, not be too concerned about, you know, winning or losing or this or that. And that, that's what it was, and, 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 I, and I did that. I had fun. I got a, a shit ton of uh, press, which was the idea. Uh, but, you know, it just didn't uh, go according to plan. Now, you know, because, again, if I would have brought a 450 there, I, you know, I think I, I, I know I'm, I'm pretty sure I would have won. But does anybody remember it? No, nobody remembers it. So that's the thing is that we think this is a – you know, that it's do or die or the world's going to end if we don't uh, perform or succeed right at this moment. But everybody has such a short memory that it doesn't really. What they're talking about is this next little run already, right? <clears throat> Just like uh, Anaheim, well, everybody's already talking about Phoenix. It's already done. So and that's where we kind of get, get lost in trying to think that we need to perform all the time instead of have fun. And again, when you have fun is when those, those are the best memories of your life is when you have fun. Fair enough. Well, I would have remembered if you would have won, won Rhino. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you would remember, but you have to go back and think about it. It's not on the tip of your, <laughs> tip of your tongue or in the, in the front of your mind. And, uh, but that, that's, you know, again, I wanted to go about it differently. I wanted to try to have some fun with it come back and race a little bit because I love the races and I love riding racing motocross, but, uh, you know, life had, life had a different, uh, a different direction for me. And, uh, you know, now, now we're done. Now we don't ride anymore. We don't ever race anymore. And, uh, yeah, that whole life has to be, has to be put to bed, but everything in life has to be put to bed at some time. And, uh, so I guess, uh, my, you know, my racing career is definitely, definitely done and probably my riding careers is most likely done also you know i don't think you, you know i know you'll never see me ride motocross ever again 
Fair enough. Well, uh, I was lucky enough to watch you compete uh, on a number of different times as well as uh, uh, see you at the track in Southern California. So I feel lucky to have been able to do that. Um, but recently we saw you uh, at trackside with uh, Noah Viney, who is uh, a local, is a Canadian who uh, his dad has is an entrepreneur who has some uh, he's got a little bit of a ranch actually it's quite quite the ranch down in uh, in Southern California uh, tell me about uh, getting connected with him working with the youngster and uh, some of the potential he has to uh, to make some noise both north and south of the border and uh, some of the things you're working on him with him they had some interest through somebody who's like, hey, they want to talk to you, you know, they're interested in working with you. And I was like, okay, who is it? And then I kind of pulled up the video. I was like, okay, I mean, just a small, teeny little kid on an 80. I was like, oh, great, you know, yeah, we'll go meet. And we met at the Supercross track at because they have a Supercross track at their place in Marietta. And so we met there, worked a little bit, saw him ride, all these things. And I was like, okay, you know, this kid has some potential. He has some talent. He's green in many areas, and, um, you know, that's what uh, I'm great in is, is teaching the person that has the struggles is very green because I pay attention to such little things. And uh, so we, you know, we've been, we just keep working and working and working and working and working, um, but never to the point where I tell him to go faster or anything like that because every kid has the potential to go faster. Every kid has the want to go faster. They just don't know how, when, where why to go faster so that's where it takes a good coach to be able to explain those little things to do that and not just say go fast because if you want someone to just to say go fast well you can get your mom your dad to do that so so we've been uh you know definitely working technique wise definitely working nutrition wise you know um you know getting them much stronger much more fit and then and then working on the working on the mind you know that that's the biggest thing that was a little bit of a hold up there and that's where a lot of kids you see can make it through the the amateur ranks fast but they get to that next level of getting on big bikes and going to pro and then you never see them again and it's like why well it wasn't their potential it's just that they maybe didn't have a uh, control of their mind or you know they just, just you know just lost lost that motivation to always chip away and sometimes if you don't have that right person in your corner they're not going to be able to identify your weaknesses because a lot of people just want to work on your strengths because they want to show everybody how fast of a rider they have yeah but right now or in five years so like this year noah you know just move up 250f he's a little bit on the smaller side he has a lot to learn he's a little and guy so this year means nothing yeah this mean this world this year means nothing to me you know, everybody's like, well, how are you guys going to do? I go, oh, next year. Well, what's he going to do next year? You know, everything's about next year, not this year. This is, it's just like a boxer, you know, a fighter, whatever it is. If they move up in eight, uh, weight, weight classes, they don't just go fight for the championship. They take six, eight months off, gain weight, get used to the, get used to the weight, get some speed with it, a warm-up fight, and then they go for the championship. So <clears throat> kind of the same thing is let's take a step back. Let's get used to this bike. Let's uh, get used to the new technique on it. Let's, uh, you know, make sure that your body and your nervous system is strong enough and coordinated enough to handle this new weight, this new speed, this new inertia that these bikes are producing compared to a little 85. You know what I mean? It's a gigantic step, and everybody just wants to throw themselves right into 
competition, throw themselves right into thinking they should win, throw themselves in right into going fast when they haven't uh, kind of, you know, figured out the little things, haven't worked through the bugs and the ups and downs of it. And so that's what we're constantly doing. You know, it hasn't really raced much, a couple off-road races and things like that. Um, and, you know, for me, it's just like a, this is just a building year. You know, we got to take a step backwards to take two steps forward next year or be able to be competitive in another five years and not just be like, oh, yeah, I used to race, you know. So perfect examples, he's like, you know, his home track, his track. He's like, hey, Rhino, when do we get to ride another track? And I say, when you master this one, which he has, but he still hasn't skimmed the whoops, which I don't allow him to, you know. He's not ready yet. A couple, you know, if I allowed him to skim the whoops and a couple get offs in the whoops, well, now he's, now he already has, he's going to prepare for what he doesn't want. But if that doesn't happen, then when it's time to, to skim the whoops and be there, well, then he's going to have so much more confidence. So much more confidence is going to allow him to be much looser. And then he's going to be skimming the whoops and, and, and then, you know, come, come away with that even with more confidence. So that's the biggest thing is just, uh, you know, one step at a time and not trying to make leaps and bounds, you know? For sure. You, you can, um, like, you can make mistakes trying to progress too quickly, especially in the sport of motocross where, uh, like you said, things get pretty serious pretty fast going from, um, like, you think think of, like, the, the technology level of a super mini. And they're high strung, they're fast, the power to weight ratio, awesome, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, but then you jump on to a fuel-injected modern four-stroke, uh, 250F or 450, and it, it's like a it's like a rocket ship coming off of a uh, coming off of a bicycle. It they're these they're completely different worlds, and uh, yeah, you can get hurt a lot, whole lot more uh, being on a on a 250F. So wise for you to uh, for to, to suggest that he move uh, slowly and, and progress that way. That was one of the questions I had for you. Is Say if you were a parent of a young amateur motocross athlete coming through, how would you guide them to be successful through their uh, their progression? Like they're 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 bought into it. They want to be fast at the sport. Um, would you would you get them to go on to the 125 for a while? Like go into that for me if you could, if you don't mind. Well, I guess the biggest thing is I'd always focus on the mechanism, which is riding the motorcycle, which is 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 the body, is the mind, is is that. So. You know, how's the kid training? How's the kid eating? What does the kid uh, watch? What does he listen to? What does he hang around? You know, because you, you're just a, a product of your environment. Whatever you read, watch, listen to, hang around, you become, you know? So there's a lot of shit in the kid's life. <clears throat> so most people want to throw the money, throw all the attention at the motorcycle because they think that's what's going to make them fast. It'll make, it'll make you faster, but if you don't go about things right, it can make you more dangerous. So that's the biggest thing is, is paying attention to, you know, the, the kid. And then also, if you want your kid to go faster, do you, and most parents just keep buying more expensive parts, more faster parts, but they're not speeding up the mechanism that's riding the motorcycle, which is the body, which is the kid. So my way, like Noah's still on a soft bike. My way is let's make you faster. Let's make you stronger. Let's make you more stable. Let's make you more balance like you make let's make you more efficient in your own vehicle meaning your body 
by, by the training that you're doing, by the nutrition that you're eating or not eating, and by the lifestyle that you lead, so then that you are ready to handle these new speeds or able to go faster because your, your, your reactions are quicker, you're stronger, you're more stable, you're more coordinated, you're more efficient. That's going to make someone go faster because you can't say it's, it's wrong because I can give you Eli Tomac's bike and to an intermediate or amateur pro and I'll put him on a stock bike and he'll still beat you. So it's not, it's not saying it's the bike, you know, it's so that's the biggest thing is making sure that you don't forget the kid. You know, I see so many kids nowadays, just chubby, you know, bellies on them, just eating this bullshit, you know, just doing lap time, lap time, lap time, lap time, constantly riding bicycles. And if you're constantly riding bicycles at 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, you're completely, completely missing the boat. Because that's a time of development. That's a time where your body's growing, things are changing, and you're putting them on something that's actually slowing him down. You know, <clears throat> slowing, slowing him down. Because a bicycle will make you more of a salamander than, let's say, running or, or uh, plyometric stuff. A bicycle will not, <clears throat> uh, will not speed up your core. Your, your extremities come from your core. That means the stronger, more stable, more efficient your core is, well, it's more stronger, uh, more stable, more efficient, everything else is in your body. So like trail running and things like that will speed up your core. And so that, and then again, what's the most important thing in motocross? Not how fit you are, how fast you are. So you should be training to make yourself faster as a human being, not just fitter as a human being. There's a lot of people that are, that are just as fit, if not fitter, than the guy who won. But the guy who won was the fastest guy. So that, so that's a big thing where a lot of people go wrong in the sport, is that they're just paying attention to the wrong thing. But a lot of people are lazy too. You know what I mean? Or yep. they have bad mirrors, meaning their parents eat like shit, live like shit, think like shit. Well, what do you think you just raised? Shit. <laughs> so it's a, uh, you know, it's a, uh, you know, it's 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 that point where I feel that people are kind of missing, missing the point. And that's why you saw Eli Tomac come up so quick and, and be so kind of dominant right in the beginning because of his, how his dad was already a professional athlete. You know, he, he knew these things. So he ingrained them in his kid. You know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't bring up a dud and, and stuff like that. So once you get, Again, everybody says, oh, well, all the top guys ride bicycles. Well, of course. Okay. But that's just because a lot of them are just following the leader. A lot of them just because their coach, their trainers, trainers came from the bicycle world. So that's kind of the only thing they know. Or their trainer's really good on a bicycle. So he wants to feed his ego and keep riding a bicycle. And then, you know, that kind of puts you into a hole, I would speak. Because again, you can always be, you always can be better. You always can be faster. You always can be stronger. So you, you look at Sexton and you look at, um, you look at uh, Roxton, they do more functional fitness. You don't see them just pounding hours and hours and hours and hours on a bicycle. Now, when you get to the top, let's say a Dungey, <clears throat> a Carmichael, all that already knows how to win a championship, which they've done. Well, then you can fine tune them. But if you're not at that point, well, then what's, what's there to fine tune? It's, it's about building. It's about growing. It's about progressing. And that's where you have to challenge yourself because if you don't challenge yourself, you don't progress yourself. It's impossible. <clears throat> so like Noah doesn't ride bicycles at all. Zero. We trail run. We run in the trails. We run in the mountains. 
We run in the hills. And anybody we bring here and run the trails that we do, I mean, he just, he just annihilates them. And, he's, and people are just like, holy shit, I can't believe how hard this is. Well, exactly, because you have to hop over stuff. Your foot never hits the same place twice. It never, you know, it, it always is on an unbalanced surface or different conditions. So, again, what's that going to do? That's going to strengthen your joints. You know, a big problem in this sport is, uh, is blown out knees. Well, I feel knee braces and cycling weakens your knees because there's no kinetic, no kinetic force going in through your joints. And again, you're in a carbon fiber plank shoe going round and round where he's in five finger shoes, toe shoes, <clears throat> jumping on rocks, landing on, uh, you know, in ruts, you know, kind of with his feet. You know, if you ever run, run in the hills, run in the mountains, you see that you got you to gotta pay attention. So that's only going to strengthen your joints. That's only going to speed up your core. That's only going to create more, more focus because you have to pay attention to the terrain. On a road bike, you don't have to pay attention to anything. You just ride down the road, except, you know, the grandma and the, and the chick doing her, you know, the chick doing her uh, makeup and the dude on Tinder, you know, on the phone. So <clears throat> that's where, you know, I think a lot of people kind of followed that way. But now that I did a lot more trail running and things like that, I was blown away by how much my fitness improved, how much my how much more my athletic ability improved. And you'll never wear joints out running in the hills because you're always on your toes. And That's never actually a, in a really interesting take, actually, considering the fact that the majority of the training that gets done for professional motocross racers is to avoid um like that torsional like um impacts and those like sort of like putting stress on the knee and stuff like that like it's almost avoided so much to the point that when 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 it's tested it fails yeah and so that's the thing is that you think motorcycle motocross is in is, is a very impact sport no it's so smooth it's so soft it's so plush unless you oj something mm-hmm. right it's not you're not you're not getting beat to death not even close. Right. So again, you're not getting that kinetic energy. So they say you don't get true fitness unless all four extremities are moving at the same time and you have rotation of the spine. Well, that's called running because running is a functional primal movement. Cycling is not a functional primal, primal movement. And, and so that whole idea is just stupidity to me. You know, you want to make sure that your joints are strong as hell. And again, Oh, but so many people, Ryan, has blown their knees out. That's why you wear knee braces. Well, what did everybody have on, man? Knee braces, son. Knee braces. Every single guy in the last 20 years have blown a knee out has had knee braces on. Done. What you don't use, you lose. And you have 30 to 40% of interior and exterior rotation at your knees. And take 30 to 40% of any movement out of the motorcycle and tell me how that's supposed to move and tell me how good you're going to ride it. And where are your knees at? Right at the seat. That's huge, huge. So everybody's bending at the hips. So now they're always counterbalancing themselves. But if you can bend at the knees, then the upper body stays very still. Hmm. Oh, but all the all the top guys wear knee braces. Yeah, because they've been they've been programmed to wear them since a young age. They don't know any different, you know. But anybody, right. anybody, anybody from top pro to from Barsha to Glenn Goldenhoff to vets to girls, to kids that have kind of listened to me and taken knee braces off, 
put knee pads on, they're like, oh, my God, I cannot believe how good I feel. I said, exactly, because now you're using the body the way it's designed to be used, not putting something on there that's designed for after you make the mistake. That's like, that's like neck braces. You run a neck brace for after you've made the mistake to crash. And you have no control of how the crash is going to, how it's going to end up. You know what I'm saying? So all these safety equipment, yeah, it's important to wear a helmet, chest protector boots, because all these, you know, I'm talking about functional stuff, you know? And it's just because those people are all geared up and they have something to say. So, you know, saying that is that you have to make sure that, you know, you're, you're, all the joints are moving because you can't say, oh, you know what? I don't want to use my clutch today. Well, you're going to be slower. I don't want to use my front brake. Well, you're going to be slower. Everything on the bike has to move to its true potential. So <clears throat> find a sport that wears knee braces. Only you're going to find is probably football or something like that. And usually the linemen. Yeah. Now, the most most skill players won't put the them on or if on they knees. do, it's be, it's to, to allow them to compete while injured. Yeah. Cause Knees would be downhill skiing. Does any of them wear them? No, they can't. Cannot. Unless they have such a bad knee that they have to. <clears throat> but they cannot. They will not ski up to their true potential because they need that exterior interior rotation. And I didn't design the body, people. I didn't design it. I blew my knee out with the knee brakes on. I broke both legs with the knee brakes on. So, you know, <clears throat> so see it. Uh, I don't have an ACL on my right knee, but I still run. You know, I can run, and it's because I program my body. So it's just it's just weakness of the mind, limitation of of of, of knowledge, and also just having blinders on because this sport makes a lot of decisions out of fear, and they just follow what's in front of them, and they follow, you know, who they think is correct, but they're not really really going about looking at how things truly work. That makes sense. Certainly makes sense to me, man. That, that, yeah, you're uh, you you've you've uh, struck a chord with me here. Uh, you you need to prepare the bat the body for battle, and uh, and then going back to the beginning part of the conversation, um, like setting the the right mindset to uh, to get the body to uh, carry out those tasks. Yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing is just going to battle with the right approach. You know, running on running on flat ground on pavement, yeah, that's harder than hell on the body. It destroys it. But you'll never see someone, a trail runner, some mountain runner, whatever, with worn out joints. Because, again, he's running on the balls of his feet like you're supposed to. You're using your foot like a suspension system, which Da Vinci says the foot is the most complex suspension system ever created. And mechanics will never recreate it, which is true. They have everything they can create. They can have everything they uh, can resemble the human body through the robotic form. I was doing some work with this big billionaire guy in Aspen. And he says, hey, man, I got a robotics company, too. I'm like, really? Well, that's so cool. He goes, yeah, we can do this, we can do that, and this, but fuck. There's one thing we still haven't been able to recreate. And I go, what is that? And he goes, the foot. And I looked at him, I'm like, no way. And it's because I knew what Da Vinci says, and, and this is why I made those foot pegs, the foot peg trainer we did, because there's nothing in gym equipment history or at the gym that's asking you to be on the balls of your feet. It's all flat foot. The Busu ball, endo board, uh, Swiss ball, everything's flat foot. But when you ride motorcycle, motocross and bicycles, you're in two and a half inches of, of a foot peg. And that means you need to be able to, you know, be used to that 
small surface of a space. And then also you show me a sport that's done flat-footed. The only sport you do flat-footed is watch other sports or people play sports. So that's why it's so important to, you know, to do this. And again, I didn't design this. I didn't make this shit up. It's just the way the body works. And you go balance, you know, you go do anything flat-footed, you're going to be, you're going to be slow. You know, you're going to be on your heels. And so that's where my whole concept of, you know, of, of being on the balls of your feet and doing this, because the first, the first point of contact from bike to ground is the wheels. What comes from the wheels, suspension, softness, movement. First point of contact from body to bike when you're standing is your feet. So should that be, so what the track is given to the bike and the bike is given, you should be met with stiffness by being flat footed or should be met with softness, like the suspension of the motorcycle. Right. So all my technique that I teach, I can point out. So from your feet, that's just like your suspension, your hips are just like your, your front end to your rear end, uh, you know, with the, with the, the headset, you know, you have to have separation. You can't have a bike that has separation and then a body that doesn't. So from the hips to the head or for the front end of the motorcycle, from the hips to the feet or for the rear end of the motorcycle. That's why you don't see one person at the top level now with tuck, or with a, with a tuck butt. Every single person has their hips rotated out. And I get a bunch of shit about that in the beginning. Oh, hips out. Rotate the hips out. Well, congratulations, guys. Now, look, not a single person rides tuck butt or rounded back anymore. Right? Right. 100%. And then your back straight. You're having a straight, having a straight spine is like having, is like having a, uh, a balanced chassis. Because your, your arms and your legs are just a suspension from your, from your core. You know, your suspension is yeah. only good as your chassis allows on a motorcycle. You know, just like the 96, uh, yeah, 96 Honda. Well, they had factories show a shit, but the chassis was so bad that the bike was almost unrideable, right? Right. Well, <laughs> so, what, you, what you're describing you know, that, is basic thing. ready position in, in many sports. Like every single uh, yeah. sport I ever played, I played football for, for 15 years, like, uh, back straight, chest up, butt down. Like that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, now get in that position. Now put a bicycle under you. Put a horse under you. Put a baseball bat in your hands. Put a golf club in your hands. Put a weight bar on your back. You haven't moved. You haven't moved. Right. Again, the body's been designed one way to work at its best. You cannot deny it. That's like the motorcycle. The motorcycle has been the same since day one so to speak. Yes, it's changed, you know, technology, but the front wheel, rear wheel, engine, and handlebars have always been in the same spot. You cannot change it, right? 100%. Yeah. You can't change it. And so that's where people go, go wrong. And again, what's, what's wrong with humanity? They're so afraid to change. They're so afraid to try new things. Oh, this is just the way I do it. Or this is the way this guy does it. Okay, well, maybe that guy could be better. You know, <clears throat> maybe that guy could be better. And, oh, you can't teach old dog your tricks. No, you're just a lazy dog. You know, these are all just excuses, okay? And so this is why it's so important to really, really look at it when you're doing a sport that's so expensive and so dangerous. Because if you're actually going to try to be a pro at this, make a living at this, and you don't get there, well, guess what? You just did a very dangerous, expensive hobby. Congratulations. Hope you had fun. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Wow, so, man. Well, like, honestly, like, and you're, also, you're, you know, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't touch on the, another thing you said about the 125, 
Yeah. Uh, I think it's incorrect to go to a 125. I really do. Really? Now you're practicing riding. You're practicing riding a big bike incorrectly. You're riding okay. a big bike like an 80. When where where's the money at? Where's the teams at? Where's the future at? The 250F. Okay. Okay. So why don't you go about it the right way instead of getting on 250F and go, oh, let's go racing. No, Noah didn't race for two months, three months. I made Noah ride in a a, 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 a <clears throat> CRF. No, what is it? I don't know. The, the 250 R, yeah, 250RX. He rode that for two months. You know, two months he rode that. No, you're going to get used to this big bike. We're not going to race. You're not going to go fast. You're not even, you didn't even, he didn't ride motocross for a month. It was all skills and it was all off-road. And so if you go to, on a super mini and you get it to a 125, well, guess what you do? You over-rev it, override it. You know, just pound it into corners, pound it into that. Well, now what happens when you get on a 250F? You're going to ride it the same damn way. Low gears, revving it, overriding it, and that's incorrect. Those, they don't work like that. So you have to, why don't you learn to ride a big bike the way the big bike, or the future of the bike, which is motor, uh, the Nationals and Supercross, the correct way, right? And so slow your kid down. Don't be so anxious to go racing. Don't think he's so fast yet and get him on a 250F, maybe cut the seat, maybe bring down the bars, lower the suspension, whatever it is, the kid's small, keep the fucker stock. You don't need to go spend your retirement on a bike to see how fast it is. And then that kid will learn how to ride this bike correctly and probably be safe on it. So I think it's incorrect to go backwards. I really do. Interesting. Uh, that that actually that the answer really did surprise me because I I just thought that like the like you you like a lot of the same like the, the techniques that will make a super mini go fast you you keep those things but then you put it onto a longer wheelbase uh, and those types of things but yeah like in I can understand how that sort of would be sort of taking a step backwards before moving so on to the, the super mini look look at how the super mini kids ride. Wide they, open. They, they rev the shit out of it, hammer the crap out of it because they can. Yeah, the no, like, I, I remember my last year on 80s. I was like a a, a boy about to be a man, it, and you could just throw the thing around like nothing, like nothing. And then, yeah, 250. Yeah, so then you get on a 125. Yep. 125, and you can kind of do the same thing. But then it's like you're just learning it, learning to ride a big bike incorrectly. Yeah, create some bad so, habits, perhaps. You know, the future is 250F, so learn how to ride the damn thing. Just like you say, if you're, gonna, you're, you're going up weight class, hey, go on hiding for a little bit. Why do you have to go show everybody how fast you think you are? Because you're not fast yet. <laughs> and again, you're not ready to go fast. The same thing with Noah. I tell him now. You're still not ready to go fast yet. Just, hey, let's just keep being consistent. Let's just keep working. Let's just keep working. And, you know, the progression we're making is amazing. And... The kid's safe, you know, he's not injured, all these different things, because we're patient. And But everybody in the sport is so greedy for success and so greedy for what they think everybody else has. Oh, this guy got a ride. Yeah, but that ride gave him one bike. That ride gave him $300 in parts. That ride gave him a, a fucking jacket. Yay, what's he do? You know mm, what I mean? That, that, that is a motivating factor, though, Gerino. People really like jackets. Yeah, well, I can. Yeah, I know that. But just you know, what I'm saying is that that's where you know people are kind of going wrong that way. And uh, you know, but you've seen a big a big change this year since I kind of I think I spitted it out about 
125 and 250F is a lot of those guys from <clears throat> Super Minis went to 250F. You know what I mean? Only one kid, I think, went to 125. But, again, that's because he had to. He got a ride from Husqvarna. They threw him into 125 class. Why? Because they want championships. Another thing I did with Noah is I put him in the A class. He's not riding B class. <clears throat> Why? Now he has no pressure to win. Zero. You're not supposed to win. So now right. when he goes to race, there's no ex, there's no extra pressure. There's no extra ex, you know, expectation. You go from top mini guy to intermediate. Well, you think you have to win. You think you should be winning because you're almost kind of making a step back. <clears throat> and then all the guys that he raced against are going into that class. So now there's more pressure to beat these kids, to beat the kids that you used to beat or whatever. So go to the A class. So most, most people are going to ride B class, then they're going to go to A class. Why not just ride A class two, two years, you know? Why not just ride A class two years instead of riding B and A? Right. right? Say, that's actually Again, the same well, philosophy that teams use putting a guy into the 250 class in general is that they put them into the 250 pro class. They let that first year sort of be a, a learning year, which you could do in the A class anyway. Uh, and then yeah. a little bit more pressure gets put into into the second year, but it's the same class both years. Yeah, exactly. And, and how and when someone first goes into pro, the nationals, their first year, how do they do? Really good. Why? Because there's no expectation. There's no pressure. Hey, just get your feet wet. Now the second year, they put pressure on them. Expectation. Where do you go? You know what would happen to them? They right? usually so the yeah thing, they usually flounder. So the same thing is Noah's going into the A class, racing against pros, where he's going to learn so much. There's zero expectation this year. Is he supposed to beat Ryder DeFrancesca? No, not even close. Chance Hymas? No, not even close. But maybe stay with him for a lap. Maybe stay with him for three laps. Maybe whole shot him. But that's it. You know what I mean? But now if he goes in the intermediate class and he has to race Deegan and all these, these guys, that he's raced before, there's expectation to beat him. These kids are going to be, you know, they ride over their heads. Then that just leads to possible injury. Does any, who gives a shit about Loretta Lenz? I'm sorry. And about any amateur title. If you do not make it to the Supercross uh, main event, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. And what does it matter if you even make the Supercross main event? You need to be a guy that's on the podium. And what does it matter if you're on the podium worst? No, you need to be on the podium all the time. And what does it matter being doing that for one year? A true career is 10 years in this sport at the high level. That's a true career. Not just one, not just two, not two that's make it to the night show. You know, definitely not that I just won Loretta's and Ponca and Texas or anything like that. Because there's thousands of people have done that. Right. So, right. you know, and again, I went through all this so I can talk about it. And then <clears throat> that's why we've made a big jump, but the expectation is zero. Instead of going a small jump and the expectation being a hundred, you know? And so, you know, that's the way I look at it. There's, there's no difference because the B class guys go just as fast as the A class guys. It really is sometimes faster. <laughs> <laughs>
They, uh, yeah, yeah, that's certainly yeah. been the case over the years. Rhino, this this yeah. has been a, a really enlightening conversation. I'm so glad that I texted you the other morning uh, to want to come on the podcast and discuss. Um, uh, we definitely need to call you up a little bit more frequently here, get you on here, just like uh, just to boil over some thoughts because I think there's some great insight here. Um, I appreciate you giving me some time this evening. Yeah, not a problem, dude. My pleasure. Love to talk. Love to uh, share with the sport and also bring a different perspective to the sport. And again, it's coming from 39 years of absolute obsession of it. So, you know, you better know, you better know something. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta pick up something, man. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. congrats on everything that you got going on with Rhino Power. Uh, all the best to Noah. Uh, that kid's on the rise and uh, looking forward to more content that you're putting out with him. And uh, yeah, man, all, all the best in the in the weeks and months going forward. Uh, you're you're a good guy, and I appreciate any time you you uh, take my call. Not a problem, man. Thanks for thinking of me, and uh, everybody that's listening to it. Hope you guys uh, enjoy your lives. Awesome, man. Well, do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're gonna cut it off right there. All right, man. Peace out.